I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, welcome to Bridge the Atlantic. I'm Ross Barber. And I'm Mario Cinevelli. And today we've got our uh, special guest, uh, singer-songwriter Natalie and Julie. How are you, Natalie? Good. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. Um, what we want to do, we want to start off by just finding out a few things about you that maybe not everyone knows. So can you maybe tell us three things about yourself that you think people should know that they maybe don't? Um, okay. I don't know what, what everyone knows, <laughs> but all right. I live in Los Angeles. Let's give you the basics. I live in LA. I'm from New York. I've been in Los Angeles for about six years now. Second, um, I'm Italian. That's a fun fact, right? Yeah, sure. It's pretty fun. Because, because I think you should know how to say my last name. Like you just said something that people should know, but maybe they don't. <laughs> my last name is Anjuli. I think like Anjuli. Los Angeles Anjuli. Yeah, it sounds like there's two people, Natalie and Julie, but there's only one. Ah, okay. Oh, I like it. That's <laughs> a great way. I like that. I love it. Yeah. Number three, um, I love pizza. That like these thoughts are all kind of connected. It's all quite Italian. It's <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, I really love pizza. What's your favorite? What kind of pizza? Yeah. Um, I would have to say classic cheese pizza like uh, i know that sounds a little York. boring but i i really feel like don't fix it if it ain't broke you know <laughs> it's you've got, perfect you've got those massive pizzas out there in la though it's not as good as new york but no n- no, no way no way well, of course i'm like not. a pizza elitist <laughs> they're, they're okay they're, i'm finding I'm finding ways to cope. And they're pretty good. That's good. I'm, I'm glad you're coping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been hard. It's been a really hard time. So let's go, let's go back in time a little bit. Um, okay. You attended LaGuardia High School? I did. And what was Two that like? Our commute. Yes. Oh, cool. You read my bio. <laughs> we did our research. <laughs> you guys are real. Professor, yeah. come on. <laughs> I went to LaGuardia, which is a high school in New York City. Um, it was one of the best things that I think I ever did. It completely changed my life. It's a performing arts high school. It's like the same one as seen in the movie Fame. I don't right. know. Yes. Isn't that? Dancing on taxis and stuff. And like there actually was that. That's not even a joke. It was real. It was really cool. Lots of singing in the hallways. It's super competitive, so it kept you on your feet and really motivated you. I came from Staten Island every day, so it took it took two hours each way to get to and fro. It was kind of crazy. Had to wake up very early. We'd get home very late. Worth it, it though? Yeah. So worth it. So worth it. There's no other high school anywhere like that. When you are a junior and senior, you can pick electives, and that's when I started doing songwriting. Ah, very cool. Tell the story. When did you decide to move to L.A. then? 
I moved to LA when I was 18 to go to the University of Southern California. Right. But I actually decided to go to LA when I was like five. I, I was, I felt like I was born in the wrong place and I'd never right. been there. I'd never been here until I turned 18, 17, but yeah, I don't know. Do you ever feel like you're at a party and you're like, this is not, I should have been at the other party. It was like that from day one. I was like, I don't like being cold. I really like beaches. What's going on? Palm trees. Yeah. And you played, you played lots of venues. You played like hotel cafe in LA, which is somewhere I've always wanted to go because I guess like a gathering place for musicians and like people that really love music all just go there and really focus on, you know, who's performing. Yeah. A hotel cafe in particular is a really special place. Any point if you, wander in on any night of the week you're going to see something awesome and usually everyone's listening and really and and even when it's loud people are still there to be supportive they're not there to be drinking and i mean (laughs) it's definitely like if you're a singer songwriter it's maybe the best place in la to play if not the best yeah i definitely it's definitely on my list if i if i come back to la that's where i want to go and marcio it's probably somewhere that you should play if you're in la next time (laughs) when i'm listening to you here you're a classically trained musician i started doing classical piano in middle school and i was really super into that i would practice like four to eight hours every day and that went on for a little while and then in high school, oh no, actually the end of middle school, I started doing violin. I would never call myself a violinist. Violin's really hard. I definitely don't still keep up with it, unfortunately. <laughs> and then um, voice, I did do in high school. It was the first time I ever took any voice lessons of any kind. So then when you made your transition over to LA, that was more of a songwriting venture, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I think with classical music, it's still, it's one of my favorite things to play. Um, but you kind of hit a wall where if the, the pieces get so difficult, if you're not going to practice two to four to six hours every day, you can't really move forward. And once I took on songwriting and the other stuff, I didn't really have the time. I still don't have the time. Um, so if I had to sit down now and play something classical, I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. I'd need, to, but you know, if I practice for a month, yeah, of I'm course, sure. it would, we would all come back. <laughs> you, but but on piano, on piano specifically, right. as at the time, you're aspiring songwriter and now a songwriter. Um, with classical music, you don't really have the freedom to express yourself like you do as a songwriter. Uh, you know, I uh, don't listen to my teachers, so I do whatever I want. It no, <laughs> I Good. I actually don't think that's necessarily true. I get what you're saying. I really felt feel like. Um, when art is limiting, it pushes you. And, and I think it's one of the most expressive ways, actually. Like, even though it's limiting and you have to follow all the dynamics and you have to, there's something really expressive about That's following true. instructions and just doing it exactly the way somebody intended for it. I actually found it really comforting. I don't have to figure this out. Somebody <laughs> figured this out for me. Um, but I think the switch was not because of that. It you're right it is an outlet in another way it was more logistics I didn't want to be practicing and for what I I wasn't good enough to be um a concert pianist I don't think anybody really is (laughs) but (laughs) I was like this is not going anywhere and it and I always loved to sing so I couldn't I couldn't incorporate that into a classical piano piece it just didn't work and you see how you said you were practicing like four to eight hours a day 
you know, on piano when you're at middle school. Yeah. Do you think that that kind of discipline and that sort of work ethic has, has helped you in your songwriting and, and just being an independent musician in general? Do you think that, that that's helped you? Oh, my God. A hundred percent. Yeah. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I was going to say a curse. I don't think I can say, say it. No, say it. It's fine. I was going to say we fuck can, school. We can bleep anything if we want. <laughs> and we won't. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I know, I know a lot of people are like, fuck music school. You know, you can't learn. And, and that is true. There's a certain amount of uh, stuff that you can only learn by doing. That's 100% true. For me, what I need personally is structure. And I think that's what... Um, a lot of people are like, how do you write a song? People that don't do music, how do you write a song? And they're like, well, it's kind of easy. You have all these, it's easy and also impossible. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but in terms that you can make it easier for yourself if you know the structure. If you turn on the radio, every single song has the same structure. It's just like if you ask somebody to build a house, you'd be like, well, and then like, okay, well, you lay the wood this way first. It's, this, it's the first step. And the discipline that you get from classical music to me, for me, that was the first step. Oh, this is how you frame this. Oh, okay, now I can make a song. And there's different aspect ratios. <laughs> so you can see there's different <laughs> yeah. frames. Right? Well, it was Brian exactly. Adams that actually said anyone can write a song, but not everyone can write a good song. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like... Oh, yeah. It's, oh, I hate everything I do, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're great. You're great. I'm not saying, I'm not saying I can write a good song. That's why you're here. That's why. That's why you're on the show. Right now. We, wouldn't, we wouldn't ask you if you wrote bad songs. Yeah, oh, have, thank you. Have, no, we're not. Gonna have <laughs> um, so you've um, you've had your music featured in various TV shows. Um, how how did that happen? Like, did you did you approach them? Did they approach you? What was the story? That's a funny story, actually. Okay, so I, and it's it's all. I love this. It all ties together. My first time going to Hotel Cafe, first of all, it's a 21 plus venue. So I actually lived in LA for three years before I could go. That's the only reason I wasn't there every night. Like, hi, who are nice to meet you? You know, I had to, I didn't have a fake ID. I actually was one of the few people that in the world that didn't. And, um, so I finally, I turned 21 and pretty much right after I turned 21, I went to Hotel Cafe, um, to see somebody and to meet the people there. I didn't know who to look for or whatever. And um, I was with my friend Christine. Shout out Christine, who does all of my art. Tuna. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> She's going to love it. And uh, we were at Hotel Cafe, and it was like, there were two sets. Actually, this is funny, too. We were going to see um, our friends, Bess Rogers. And then after Bess was a great big world. And this was like three years ago. And they were not famous yet. And now they're super yeah. famous. Um, but we, and in between sets... I was like, I'm pretty cold. The hotel cafe is a little cold. And so I was like, Christine, I'm going back to my car. And so I went back to my car and I grabbed my sweater and I sat down for a second. I don't know why I was like going through some things or getting water. And then I stepped out of the car and then I locked the keys in the car. And I was like freaking out because I had to get Christine home. She lives kind of far. I don't want to tell her I locked the keys in the car. I'd never done that before. It was like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if like she wasn't getting home. This is pre-Uber, okay? And um, <laughs> I went back inside like 45 minutes later. And I think my phone was in the car too. Or no, my phone was dead. So she was like, where did Natalie go? Like, what happened? <laughs> And I went back in, I was like almost in tears and she was standing there talking to this guy and I was so upset. I was like, Christine, I locked my keys in the car. Blah, blah, blah. I was freaking out. And then I just got word that it was about 
somebody was going to go open it. I didn't realize it was like actually a really easy solution. You just call AAA. I didn't know. <laughs> I've never done it before. But um, my phone died. It was just a series of unfortunate events. And then Christine was like, oh, it's fine. I'm talking to this guy. And it's a nice guy named Peter. Hi, Peter, if you're watching. He's a great dude. And I was like, oh, what brings you here? And he's like, oh, I'm a music supervisor. I was like, <gasps> I like pulled out of my pocket. I was like, I'm a singer-songwriter. And I gave him my <laughs> CD, which I happen to have in my bag. And um, I ended up contacting him from that night. And he took it and he put it all over TV. Sorry, that story took so long to tell. You can chop it. No, it was God, perfect. Can you go do it again? It was dumb. This is such a in, self-aware like, interview. It's like, the, it's like the interview is aware of itself. So um, I have six songs coming out. I'm trying to release them as singles. Most of them, at least. I'm not sure if we'll do all of them, but we'll definitely do at least three. We've got three picked out. We just released the first one. It's called Chaser. Um, it's like synth pop, stancy synth pop. Some of it's a little darker. Some of it's really poppy. It has some dance music influences. It has some pop punk influences. I, I love Chaser. I Thank really you. like that song. It's kind of all over the place in terms of the structure. Well, it's not all over the place. There was not behind no, it. No, but it, it flows. I mean, like, you know, you don't always have to kind of stick within a structure as you prove with Chaser. You know what I mean? And it, it has a, a natural yeah. progression. It feels like it definitely goes somewhere. I think there are three of them, a Chaser and two other songs that are pretty, like, really poppy. There's the, the next single that, or the next song that's coming out. It's pretty poppy. It's actually supposed to be overly poppy i kind of wanted to write a pop song that sort of is satire and makes fun of pop songs but totally engages in it it's self-aware pop um just because the, the what the song is about is is about heartbreak and when you go through heartbreak i don't know if you gentlemen ever have probably not because you're awesome and nobody would ever do that to you <laughs> um <laughs> we can have her no. back yeah i think so <laughs> Um, no, but uh, when you when you're heartbroken, this thing happens where you talk like a fucking fourteen year old. No matter how smart you are or how many college degrees you have, you're like, do you hear yourself right now? It's insane. You're like, you just regress. So I I wrote down some of the things I was saying when heartbroken, and like I was as heartbroken and devastated as I was. I definitely was simultaneously sitting in my room laughing at myself <laughs> and so the way i dealt with that i was like i'm gonna take all the stupid shit i just said and write a really dumb pop song but it's gonna be the catchiest thing i've ever written and then there's another song um which is i think like the darkest song and it's it's totally not one is not like the others um it, it still is my voice and it's still on the same subject matter so it is related but right. As far as the instrumentation, not really. It's more, way more minimal and kind of eerie sounding. By the acoustic guitar I see hanging behind you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? You, you did start off acoustically, though, didn't you? you yeah, that's Taylor. Acoustic, Sorry. I yeah, you used to be an acoustic singer-songwriter, right? Yeah, I like that you're saying that like you just pulled out a can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what was um, the decision to go from... Uh, you know, being an, uh, primarily an acoustic artist to being a synth pop artist? Um, I think the decision was actually opposite. I think I've always wanted to be a synth pop mm. artist, but I didn't know how to do that. Um, I've only in the past two years and really specifically the past year and really, really specifically the past four months learned how to use Pro Tools and to be able to produce and use 
the computer to make synthy poppy noises. Right. Prior to that, <laughs> I'm coming from, you have to take where I'm coming from, which is classical piano background, um, acoustic guitar. I, I pretty much started writing just before college, and then when I got to college, um, it was just more convenient to play the acoustic guitar in my room and the ukulele and stuff like that. And so I just... I didn't, there wasn't really thought behind it. It was just like, oh, I'm going to write a song. And when you write a song on the acoustic guitar without a real plan, it comes out like a folk song um, naturally. So like the songs that I've written lately, it's a completely different process than I used to do. It took me a while to figure out how to crack the code, which is now we start with the tempo. Because if you pick up an acoustic guitar, you're most likely going to write a slow song, unless you're really angry. And then you might still write a slow song. Um, <laughs> so it just it just took getting my toolbox together. And honestly, I just think I did the singer-songwriter thing um, because it was easy for me. Like, here's a guitar. This song's cute. I'll play it at a show. I don't need a band. I can just do it. <laughs> and then I realized I really hate that. What's fun for me is thriving off the energy of other people off of loud sounds because I guess I'm a maniac. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, no, but I like energy and I like, I realized I was going to show, and there are a lot of singer songwriters that I love. I mean, that's, you know, also a huge part of my background, but the most fun I have is at band shows or at dance shows. And I was like, what is the difference between what I'm doing and this? How can I get from here to here? So the dance music thing, I mean, all of my influences from the time I was a kid are pop stars. So it just makes way more sense to me. It's, it's, I don't know how I didn't get here sooner. I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> well, I can, re I can <laughs> but, relate to a lot of the stuff you said. And it's really, I think, just coming to finding your own sound, your own voice, whatever you feel like you want to sound like. And that doesn't happen overnight. You know, that takes some trial and error. And it, maybe you wouldn't have gotten to the place you are now, you know, if you weren't writing those songs you were writing before, you know what I mean? So I think, oh. you know, I think it's just, it's a, pro it's a process and it's, a, it's progress, right? You know, it's yeah. the expanding of your sounds. It's also super economical. I mean, it's a good idea if you're starting off because like I organized my own West Coast tour a couple years ago and I brought three band members with me and I, I had only moved to LA two years before and I had just made a bunch of friends by that time and played up and down the entire coast. We had places to stay. We didn't lose any money. We played street shows. We played house shows and we played at coffee shops and yes. it really, all we paid for was gas. And so if you can figure that out, you know, and, and you're good at organizing, you know, playing acoustic is not a bad idea. Yeah. I just, I'm mostly, I'm, I'm a chicken and I don't like being up there by myself. It's really, really, I'm horrified. I used to have terrible, terrible stage fright. Yeah. Like hives, vomit. Whoa. But now, the fun stuff. no, really, like I still get really nervous, but it's, it's more controlled. And um, with your, your EDM collaborations, would you say, uh, do you think that's influenced this kind of sound you're doing just now? Or would you think it's the other way around? that you're maybe adding your kind of stamp onto EDM? What, what would you think? Ah, interesting question. I definitely think that um, the EDM stuff has... the ED Okay, when I started doing the EDM stuff and I got some recognition for it, that was actually the first time that I got any recognition outside of, like, bigger recognition outside of a small circle. It's the first time I was coming up on blogs. This is the first time people, you know knew who I was outside of like LA singer songwriters, New York singer songwriters. And so I was like, wow, I totally, I didn't know that 
I mean, it all makes sense looking back because I've always wanted to do more dancey stuff. But I just, I was so into the singer songwriter thing. I didn't really, I didn't know that was an option. And so um, I think what EDM did for me was created a sense of urgency. Like, wow, I need to be doing dance pop. Listen to how your your voice sounds on a dance song. You know, you should do your own thing. Not so far off from this because mm -hmm. a that's what you want to be doing, and b it's obviously going over kind of well. I'm I'm still you know I just spent the last year really learning about dance music because when I was first approached I really didn't know anything I was just like this sounds like fun I've learned so much I have so much respect for uh, producers DJs in the dance community like it's insane the work that they do is definitely different than the work that like a singer songwriter does but it's it's equally valuable and special I mean if not more and it's crazy that they these guys like sit at their computers and will like work like chip away on a kick drum sound for like six hours, which I certainly don't have the patience for. So I have a lot of respect for them. And uh, so I was trying to figure out where I still am trying to figure out where my voice works best there. I think what a lot of people point out to me is like lyrics. I really like lyrics. I really love um, writing them and um, trying to make them, accessible to people so that they can relate and so i'm trying to i guess bring that to dance music because there are a lot of dance songs that are really generic there's definitely a format and it's hard because you 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 do want to stick to that format because people definitely vibe with um things that are uplifting things that are uh a group activity things that they can connect to and not just totally be internal sitting in like in your room Nobody listens to dance music like this. No, it's Except like me. the opposite of singer-songwriter, <laughs> basically. Yeah. The setting is different, but the emotional experience is not that different. And whether you're sitting in your room crying or you're out dancing it off, I mean, you could still be doing it for the same reason, which I didn't really realize. I thought mm -hmm. people were just out partying. But now I'm like, get me in there. Where's my glow stick? <laughs> it's all really a release and an, and an expression, really. Yeah. I think, you it's, know, and an emotion. If, if you've gone to a couple good dance shows, it's hard to go back to anything else because the lights and the visuals and the audio and the whole, it's such a 360. It's just like a huge, really, really well orchestrated party. And it can be really fun. It can be too sweaty and gross, but you know, if you go with some good people and knock back a few beers, you're good. <laughs> well, speaking of EDM collaborations, your collaboration on step into the light or sorry, step into your light, 200,000 views on YouTube. Yeah. Over so. 200,000 views on YouTube. That was the first week. No, um, proximity put us up. Yeah. And I guess we got like 200,000 plays the first week that was just on their website. And then on other websites, 50,000, we were on, um, Afrojack's show. We were on Tritonal's, um, show. Yeah. We got a, a lot of, um, Sirius XM, um, on Tiesto club life radio, stuff like that. Armada. That's awesome. What was it like the first time you heard yourself on the radio? Uh, well, the first time I heard myself on the radio was a couple years ago on like a college radio thing. So 
it was kind of, I, I mean, I wanted it to be like that thing you do, but it was more like, how do I, where's, I'm not getting reception. Like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> it's gotta be like when I'm in the car listening to FM radio, not expecting anything. I mean, then we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw on your Instagram that you had some interesting uh, pictures. <laughs> I'm, I'm going uh, to leave her guessing where this is going for, for a second. That's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there, there's, a, there's a man by the name of, uh, of Quincy Jones. Oh, yeah. Tell us, okay. tell us how you met him and, and what happened. That's a funny story. Um, so I've got a friend who works for uh, Quincy Jones as a production company, a management company, and they sign uh, lots of offbeat artists, jazz artists and international artists. And I mean, just some of the most talented people ever. Uh, my friend played the company, um, my music and they're like, Oh, she's a really good songwriter. She should write for some of our artists. So they've got, a really cool Lebanese artist named Chris Jor, and she, hi Chris, she's awesome, and she uh, was a finalist on The Voice in Dubai, and oh. I guess Quincy saw her there at Dubai Music Week, and like signed her immediately, it was about this time last year, and so she needs songs, so um, there's been some writing for her, and stuff like that, and so um, the dinner was uh, Quincy, and Chris was in town from Lebanon, and we wanted to do like a family dinner with everybody who was involved with the project. And so we had a big dinner with Quincy Jones. He's just the most awesome guy ever. He's like a sassy teddy bear grandpa. I mean, he's <laughs> awesome. The guy is killing it. Like seriously amazing, amazing person. Um, and he loves women. So he took off my shoes and, uh, yeah, started the picture, pl- playing right? the picture. This is the picture. Yeah. You go on my Instagram. Uh, <laughs> he start, He took off my shoes. There was a rip on the bottom of my stocking, and within ten seconds of meeting him, I was like humiliated. He noticed. He's like, "You have a rip <laughs> on the bottom of your stockings." Like when I got out of the car, it ripped, and so I was like, ah, "Oh yeah, <laughs> no." And then he's like, "Take off your shoes," and I was like, "Okay." He loves women's feet, and then so that's what the picture was. I was like, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> And so he was just like, he took a fork. We were sitting at his dinner table. He took a fork and like went in for it. The outtakes. You didn't see the outtakes. No. He like took pictures of like him. The things you can get it. away with when you're superbly famous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and also. If I met you within the first 10 seconds and I did that. Yeah, it would you be tried. a whole different story. I'd be like, dude. Get this fork away from me. <laughs> no, you know what? Maybe if you did that at a bar, I'd have respect for you. It's better than like, hey, like, let me buy you a drink. And, uh, you know. <laughs> I'd let me, have let real me fork respect. your face. Let me yeah, fork you- your face. <laughs> No, forget buying a drink. I'd have real respect for a dude if he bought me like a cheese plate at a bar. I'd be like, well, I'm just I'd be it. on one knee. Yeah. This is the title of this blog pass. Yeah, forking feet. Forks and feet. Yeah. Natalie on yeah. forking feet. Forking feet. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. No, you know, in all seriousness, though, Natalie, if you know there are anybody, if there's anyone uh, watching or listening to this right now. And they would like to know how to get to the place that you are at right now um, with having licensed, you know, music licensed, with having uh, collaborating with EDM producers. What advice would you give to them? Okay, probably a couple things. Number one, I would say try. I know it's hard. Um, try to get yourself in a city, in a musical city, which would be New York, 
Los Angeles, Nashville, London, you know, one of, one of the Toronto, one of the big cities, there are a couple, (laughs) like you should be oversaturated. You should be crying yourself to sleep at night. So that, you know, you you don't know if you're as good as the rest of them. No, (laughs) kind of joking. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) I maybe let out too much there. No, but get yourself in, in one of the musical cities. It's so important. Number two, um, I would say like, be everywhere when you get there. Like so many, like I told you the story about the, my songs got on TV shows because I locked my keys in my car at Hotel Cafe, which is being there. I performed once. I did this show at um, a, an awesome venue called Room 5. It's really cute. It's If you do singer-songwriter stuff, it's a great place to play. And um, to be honest, it was like, I felt a little underprepared. I wasn't excited for the show. The venue's awesome. I'd play there a bunch of times. I just, I, it was kind of a last minute thing. I wasn't ready. I didn't really promote it properly. And I got there and I was like so bummed. And then I went on stage and the show went, um, in my memory, it went okay. And then after there was like all this really, um, really prolific songwriters, right, for Justin Bieber and One Direction, they were all just there, like just talking, there. wanted to talk, wanted to connect. So the more you can get out, whether it's playing or even just going out, if you go to a hotel cafe, start a conversation with one person. I, I mean, either they, them, or their friend, like one of them is going to be somebody, whether they're a drummer or a music supervisor or, you know, somebody who runs a radio show or does Skype interviews, you know, whoever it is or makes a website. I mean, a photographer, it could be anybody, may make the connection, like go out every night that you're not working. I mean, it is your job to be out and to be talking to people. And I think that's one of the main things. And on that note, like as a third thing is, um, be open-minded about opportunities. So when the dance music thing came up, I was really confused. I didn't know in retrospect, like I said, it makes perfect sense. And I definitely wanted to do it, but I, I was really confused about it. I didn't feel qualified. Like I did, I was like, I've never done dance music before. What if I do a terrible job? What if this is not right for me? I mean, a lot of thoughts went through my head. It wasn't just like, Oh cool. Big opportunity. It was, I was freaking out and I cried the night before I went in for the collaboration. I really did. Don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> I straight up cried myself to sleep the night before um, because I felt so nervous that I wouldn't be able to do a good job or whatever. And it ended up being uh, one of the most important things that I ever did. So I guess just be open to things that seem like they're outside the path and also go with your intuition, your intuition, you know, you know, I'm, I guess that goes for any career, but like, especially with music, if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. It's funny, Marcy and I were saying the exact same thing earlier on. We're just, we're just generally talking about what we do. And, um, and we were saying that the times that we've not followed our, our intuition have been the times that things have gone wrong. And the times oh, that we have followed our intuition, it's been like the best decisions that we've made. So it's totally true. It's oh, just, yeah. yeah. Those it last really two is. things you said, I can relate to entirely, you know, what yeah. Russ just said, but also the being open to opportunities that especially that don't appear on the surface to be, to make sense at first, you know, but yeah. what do you have to lose, right? What do you have to lose? It's all you got to ask yourself. Well, Natalie, we've entered our lightning round. <laughs> Here we go. Coffee or tea? Uh, both. Depends on the day. Meat or veggies? Veggies. I'm a vegetarian. Ah, CD or vinyl? <laughs> um, vinyl. I have a record player. 
summer or winter? Summer. Of course. New York or Los Angeles? LA. Pizza or potatoes? <laughs> pizza, pizza, come on. Of course. Pizza. Melody or rhythm? Who, who says potato? God. <laughs> uh, melody. Melody, but bo- both are important, but what I work off of is melody. And then rhythm. I should maybe flip that around. Maybe things would go better. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Rent or Les Mis? Oh, Les Mis, come on. Indie or major? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Rain or shine? Shine. The Voice or American Idol? Uh, voice. Dogs or hot dogs? Dogs. Celine Dion dogs. or Marilyn Manson? <laughs> I, you know, as a child, I would have said Celine Dion. Probably now, Marilyn Manson. I don't know nice. what that says about me. <laughs> Cats or rats? Cats. Michael Jackson or Michael Bolton? <laughs> <laughs> That's really tempting, but I'm going to go with Michael Jackson. Oh, no. No one said Michael Bolton. Okay, twerk twerk or work? Um, A a healthy amount of both. Good. Ricky Gervais or Ricky Martin? Gervais. Yeah. Whale or kale? Um, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> just gonna pick one. <laughs> whale. I'm going with whale. I thought you go with kale being vegetarian. I know. I know because I'm. I'm not. I'm trying to be unpredictable here. Okay. Bat Midler or the Riddler. The Riddler. Ross or Marcio. Ooh. You know. Uh, I feel like this is unfair because. Ross has access to my PayPal account. So <laughs> don't let that influence your decision. Okay. He might send me an invoice <laughs> if I don't say Ross. So is that Ross? Um, I'm going to say Ross because Marcia, you're amazing and I've loved bonding with you and maybe it will be you in a few weeks. <laughs> Ross just did a, such a killer job on my website, which is launching like today or tomorrow. We have to talk about this and it, I just tortured him. <laughs> didn't so talk to me. You're, you're, you're not as bad as Marcio. Trust me. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm where can people find you online then? each other? <laughs> can you tell we people? Can find I can. Uh, it's it's natalieandjuliemusic.com. Anything you've been yeah. listening to lately that you just think people need to check out? Yeah, let me let me Spotify here. Okay, um, I've listened to a, a band called the Chain Gang of 1974. They're pretty pretty awesome. Um, what are Droids, Celebration Rock. Not a new record, but a great record. Um, lots of Robin. The new Porter Robinson record is is really really great. Worlds. Um, the Skrillex, the new Skrillex record is really fun. Recess. It's just, if you're working out, that's what you should be listening to. Um, and, uh, I was listening to, oh, the new Jenny Lewis record is, is really fun. I saw her the other day and, um, let's close with, um, Betty who really love Betty who cool. Awesome. It's been so much fun. This has been, yeah, this Thanks, is, I don't know when I last laughed so much. Oh. And so I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed this really? very much. I'm glad because I, I feel like I'm always nervous. That I'm going to say lots of really dumb stuff. No, this is great. And, and we'd love to have you back on the show if you'd be willing to do that. So thanks very much. Yeah. Thank you guys. Cheers. Have a good one. You too. Cheers. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bridge the Atlantic. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So connect with us on there and let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for being awesome, and we'll see you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Italian? That's a fun fact, right? Yeah, sure. It's pretty fun. Because, because I think you should know how to say my last name. Like you just said something that people should know, but maybe they don't. My last name is Anjuli. I think like Anjuli. Los Angeles. Anjuli. Yeah. It sounds like there's two people, Natalie and Julie, but there's only one. Ah, okay. Oh, that's, I like it. That's <laughs> a great way. I like that. I love it. Yeah. Number three, um, I love pizza. That, like these thoughts are all kind of connected. It's all but, quite Italian. It's, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really love pizza. What's your favorite? What kind of pizza? Yeah. Um, I would have to say classic cheese pizza. Uh, like, I know that sounds a little York? boring, but I, I really feel like don't fix it if it ain't broke, you know? <laughs> you've it's got, perfect. You've got those massive pizzas out there in LA, though. It's not as good as New York, but no, n- no, no way, no way. Well, of course I'm like not. a pizza elitist. <laughs> they're, they're okay. They're, I'm finding, I'm finding ways to cope. And they're pretty good. That's good. I'm, I'm glad you're coping. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been hard. It's been a really hard time. So let's go, let's go back in time a little bit. Um, okay. You attended LaGuardia High School. I did. And what was Two that like? Our commute. Yes. Oh, cool. You read my bio. <laughs> we did our research. <laughs> you guys are a professor. Yeah. <laughs> I went to LaGuardia, which is a high school in New York City. Um, it was one of the best things that I think I ever did. It completely changed my life. It's a performing arts high school. It's like the same one as seen in the movie Fame. I don't right. know. Yes. You guys seen that? Uh, dancing on taxis and stuff. And like there actually was that. That's not even a joke. It was real. It was really cool. Lots of singing in the hallways. It's super competitive, so it kept you on your feet and really motivated you. I came from Staten Island every day, so it took it took two hours each way to get to and fro. It was kind of crazy. I had to wake up very early. We'd get home very late. Worth it, it though. Yeah. So worth it. So worth it. There's no other high school anywhere like that. When you are a junior and senior, you can pick electives, and that's when I started doing songwriting. Ah, very cool. Tell the story. When did you decide to move to L.A. then? I moved to L.A. when I was 18 to go to the University of Southern California. Right. But I actually decided to go to L.A. when I was like five. I, I, was, I felt like I was born in the wrong place, and I'd never right. been there. I'd never been here until I turned 18, 17. But, yeah, I don't know. Do you ever feel like you're at a party and you're like, this is not, I should have been at the other party? 
it was like that from day one i was like i don't like being cold i really like beaches what's going on palm trees yeah and you played you played lots of venues you played like hotel cafe in LA which is somewhere I've always wanted to go because I guess like a gathering place for musicians and like people that really love music all just go there and really focus on you know who's performing yeah a hotel cafe in particular is a really special place any point if you wander in on any night of the week you're going to see something awesome and usually everyone's listening and really and, and even when it's loud people are still there to be supportive they're not there to be dr- drinking and I mean, oh, maybe awesome. it's definitely like if you're a singer songwriter, it's maybe the best place in LA to play. If not really? the best. Yeah, I definitely, it's definitely on my list. If I, if I come back to LA, that's where I want to go. And Marcio, that's probably somewhere that you should play if you're oh, gosh, in LA next time. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm listening yeah. to you here. You're a classically trained musician. I started doing classical piano in middle school and I was really super into that. I would practice like four to eight hours every day and that went on for a little while. And then in high school, oh no, actually the end of middle school, I started doing violin. I would never call myself a violinist. Violin's really hard. I definitely don't still keep up with it, unfortunately. And then um, voice I did do in high school was the first time I ever took any voice lessons of any kind. So then when you made your transition over to LA, that was more of a songwriting venture, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I think with classical music, it's still, it's one of my favorite things to play. Um, but you kind of hit a wall where if the, the pieces get so difficult, if you're not going to practice two to four to six hours every day, you can't really move forward. And once I took on songwriting and the other stuff, I didn't really have the time. I still don't have the time. Um, so if I had to sit down now and play something classical, I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. I'd need, to, but you know, if I practice for a month, yeah, of I'm course, sure. it would, it would all come back. To you, but <laughs> but on piano, on piano specifically, right. as at the time, you're aspiring songwriter and, and now a songwriter. Um, with classical music, you don't really have the freedom to express yourself like you do as a songwriter. Uh, you know, I uh, don't listen to my teachers, so I do whatever I want. It no, <laughs> I Good. I actually don't think that's necessarily true i get what you're saying i really felt feel like um when art is limiting it pushes you and and i think it's one of the most expressive ways actually like even though it's limiting and you have to follow all the dynamics and you have to there's something really expressive about following instructions and just doing it exactly the way somebody intended for it i actually found it really comforting i don't have to figure this out somebody (laughs) figured this out for me um but I think the switch was not because of that. It, it, you're right. It is an outlet in another way. It was more logistics. I didn't want to be practicing. And for what? I, I wasn't good enough to be um, a concert pianist. I don't think anybody really is. <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, this is not going anywhere. And, it, and I always loved to sing. So I couldn't, I couldn't incorporate that into a classical piano piece. It just right. didn't work. And you see how you said you were practicing like four to eight hours a day, you know, on piano when you were at middle school. Yeah. Do you think that that kind of discipline and that sort of work ethic has, has helped you in your songwriting and, and just being an independent musician in general? Do you think that, that that's helped you? Oh, my God. A hundred percent. Yeah. I know a lot of people are like, oh, 
I was going to say a curse. I don't think I can say, say it. No, say it. I was going to say fuck can, school. We can bleep any of if we want. <laughs> and we won't. No, I know. <laughs> That's right. I know, I know a lot of people are like, fuck music school. You know, you can't learn. And, and that is true. There's a certain amount of uh, stuff that you can only learn by doing. That's 100% true. For me, what I need personally is structure. And I think that's what... Um, a lot of people are like, how do you write a song? People that don't do music, like, how do you write a song? And I'm like, well, it's kind of easy. You have all these, it's easy and also impossible. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in terms that you can make it easier for yourself if you know the structure. If you turn on the radio, every single song has the same structure. It's just like if you ask somebody to build a house, you'd be like, well, and then like, okay, well, you lay the wood this way first. It's, this, it's the first step. And the discipline that you get from classical music to me, for me, that was the first step. Oh, this is how you frame this. Oh, okay, now I can make a song. And there's different aspect ratios. <laughs> yes, you can see there's different. <laughs> yeah. ratios, right? Well, it was Brian exactly. Adams that actually said anyone can write a song, but not everyone can write a good song. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like. Oh, yeah. Oh, I hate everything I do. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're great. You're great. I'm not saying, I'm not saying I can write a good song. That's why you're here. That's why. That's why you're on the show. Right now. We, we, we wouldn't ask you if you wrote bad songs. Yeah, oh, have, thank you. Have, no, we're not. Gonna <laughs> um, so you've um, you've had your music featured in various TV shows. Um, how how did that happen? Like, did you did you approach them? Did they approach you? What was the story? That's a funny story, actually. Okay, so I, and it's it's all. I love this. It all ties together. My first time going to Hotel Cafe, first of all, it's a 21 plus venue. So I actually lived in LA for three years before I could go. That's the only reason I wasn't there every night. Like, hi, who are nice to meet you? You know, I had to, I didn't have a fake ID. I actually was on the few people that in the world that didn't. And, um, so I finally, I turned 21 and pretty much right after I turned 21, I went to Hotel Cafe, um, to see somebody and to meet the people there. I didn't know who to look for or whatever. And um, I was with my friend Christine. Shout out Christine, who does all my art. Tuna. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> She's going to love it. And uh, we were at Hotel Cafe, and it was like, there were two sets. Actually, this is funny, too. We were going to see um, our friends, Bess Rogers. And then after Bess was a great big world. And this was like three years ago. And they were not famous yet. And now they're super yeah. famous. Um, but we And in between sets... I was like, I'm pretty cold. The hotel cafe is a little cold. And so I was like, Christine, I'm going back to my car. And so I went back to my car and I grabbed my sweater and I sat down for a second. I don't know why I was like going through some things or getting water. And then I stepped out of the car and then I locked the keys in the car. And I was like freaking out because I had to get Christine home. She lives kind of far. I don't want to tell her I locked the keys in the car. I'd never done that before. It was like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if like she wasn't getting home. This is pre-Uber, okay? And um, <laughs> I went back inside like 45 minutes later. And I think my phone was in the car too. Or no, my phone was dead. So she was like, where did Natalie go? Like, what happened? <laughs> And I went back in, I was like almost in tears and she was standing there talking to this guy and I was so upset. I was like, Christine, I locked my keys in the car. Blah, blah, blah. I was freaking out. And then I just got word that it was about somebody was going to go open it. I didn't realize it was like actually a really easy solution. You just call AAA. I didn't know. <laughs> I've never done it before. But um, my phone died. It was just a series of unfortunate events. And then Christine was like, oh, it's fine. I'm talking to this guy and it's a nice guy named Peter. Hi, Peter, if you're watching. He's a great dude. 
And I was like, oh, what brings you here? And he's like, oh, I'm a music supervisor. I was like, <gasps> I like pulled out of my car. I was like, I'm a singer-songwriter. And I gave him my <laughs> CD, which I happened to have in my bag. And um, I ended up contacting him from that night. And he took it and he put it all over TV. Sorry, that story took so long to tell. You can chop it. No, it was God, perfect. Can you go do it again? It was dumb. This is such a self-aware like interview. It's like, the, it's like the interview is aware of itself. So um, I have six songs coming out. I'm trying to release them as singles. Most of them, at least. I'm not sure if we'll do all of them, but we'll definitely do at least three. We've got three picked out. We just released the first one. It's called Chaser. Um, it's like synth pop, stancy synth pop. Some of it's a little darker. Some of it's really poppy. It has some dance music influences. It has some pop punk influences. I, I love Chaser. I Thank really you. like that song. It's kind of all over the place in terms of the structure. Well, it's not all over the place. There was not behind no, it. No, but it, it flows. I mean, like, you know, you don't always have to kind of stick within a structure as you prove with Chaser. You know what I mean? And it, it has a, a natural yeah. progression. It feels like it definitely goes somewhere. I think there are three of them, a Chaser and two other songs that are pretty, like, really poppy. There's the, the next single or the next song that's coming out. It's pretty poppy. It's actually supposed to be overly poppy. I kind of wanted to write a pop song that sort of is satire and makes fun of pop songs, but totally engages in it. It's self-aware pop. Um, just because the, the, what the song is about is, is about heartbreak. And when you go through heartbreak, I don't know if you gentlemen ever have. Probably not because you're awesome and nobody would ever do that to you <laughs> um <laughs> we can have her no. back yeah I think so. <laughs> um no but uh when you when you're heartbroken this thing happens where you talk like a fucking 14 year old no matter how smart you are or how many college degrees you have you're like do you hear yourself right now it's insane you're like you just regress so i i wrote down some of the things i was saying when heartbroken and like i was like as heartbroken and devastated as I was, I definitely was simultaneously sitting in my room laughing at myself. <laughs> and so the way I dealt with that, I was like, I'm going to take all the stupid shit I just said and write a really dumb pop song. It's going to be the catchiest thing I've ever written. And then there's another song, um, which is, I think, like the darkest song. And it's, it's totally not, one is not like the others. Um, it, it still is my voice and it's still on the same subject matter. So it is related, but right. as far as the instrumentation, not really, it's more way more minimal and kind of eerie sounding by the acoustic guitar. I see hanging behind you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. You, you did start off acoustically though, didn't you? you yeah. That's Taylor. Sorry. Yeah. I you used to be an acoustic singer songwriter, right? Yeah, I like that you're saying that like you just pulled out a can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what was um, the decision to go from, uh, you know, being an, uh, primarily an acoustic artist to being a synth pop artist? Um, I think the decision was actually opposite. I think I've always wanted to be a synth pop mm. artist, but I didn't know how to do that. Um, I've only in the past two years and really specifically the past year and really, really specifically the past four months learned how to use pro tools and to be able to produce and use the computer to make synthy poppy noises right. prior to that <laughs> i'm coming from you have to take where i'm coming from which is classical piano background um acoustic guitar i i pretty much started writing just before college and then when i got to college um 
it was just more convenient to play the acoustic guitar in my room and the ukulele and stuff like that. And so I just, I, I didn't, there wasn't really thought behind it. It was just like, Oh, I'm going to write a song. And when you write a song on the acoustic guitar without a real plan, it comes out like a folk song. Um, naturally so like the songs that i've written lately it's a completely different process than i used to do it took me a while to figure out how to crack the code which is now we start with the tempo because if you pick up an acoustic guitar you're most likely going to write a slow song unless you're really angry and then you might still write a slow song um (laughs) so it just it just took getting my toolbox together and honestly just think i did the singer songwriter thing um because it was easy for me like here's a guitar. This song's cute. I'll play it at a show. I don't need a band. I can just do it. And then I realized I really hate that. What's fun for me is driving off the energy of other people off of loud sounds because I guess I'm a maniac. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, no, but I like energy and I like, I realized I was going to show, and there are a lot of singer songwriters that I love. I mean, that's, you know, also a huge part of my background but the most fun I have is at band shows or at dance shows and I was like what is the difference between what I'm doing and this how can I get from here to here so the dance music thing I mean all of my influences from the time I was a kid are pop stars so it just makes way more sense to me it's it's I don't know how I didn't get here sooner I'm kind of disappointed (laughs) well I can can relate uh, to a lot of the stuff you said and it's really I think just coming to a finding your own sound, your own voice, whatever you feel like you want to sound like. And that doesn't happen overnight. You know, that takes some trial and error. And it, maybe you wouldn't have gotten to the place you are now, you know, if you weren't writing those songs you were writing before, you know what I mean? So I think, oh. you know, I think it's just, it's a, pro, it's a process and it's, a, it's progress, right? You know, it's yeah. the expanding of your sounds. It's also super economical. I mean, it's a good idea if you're starting off because like I organized my own West Coast tour a couple of years ago and I brought three band members with me and, I, I had only moved to L.A. two years before, and I had just made a bunch of friends by that time and played up and down the entire coast. We had places to stay. We didn't lose any money. We played street shows. We played house shows, and we played at coffee shops. And yes. it really, all we paid for was gas. And so if you can figure that out, you know, and, and you're good at organizing, you know, playing acoustic is not a bad idea. Yeah, I just have mostly, I'm... I'm a chicken and I don't like being up there by myself. It's really, really I'm horrified. I used to have terrible, terrible stage fright. Yeah. Like hives vomit. Whoa. But now the fun stuff. No, really, like I still get really nervous, but it's it's more controlled. And um with your, your EDM collaborations, would you say uh, do you think that's influenced this kind of sound you're doing just now, or would you think it's the other way around? that you're maybe adding your kind of stamp onto EDM? What, what would you think? Ah, interesting question. I definitely think that um, the EDM stuff has... the ED, Okay, when I started doing the EDM stuff and I got some recognition for it, that was actually the first time that I got any recognition outside of, like, bigger recognition outside of a small circle. It's the first time I was coming up on blogs. This is the first time people, you know knew who I was outside of like LA singer songwriters, New York singer songwriters. And so I was like, wow, I totally, I didn't know that. I mean, it all makes sense looking back because I've always wanted to do more dancey stuff, but I just, I was so into the singer songwriter thing. I didn't really, I didn't know that was an option. And so, um, I think what EDM did for me was created a sense of urgency. Like, wow, I need to be doing dance pop. Listen to how your your voice sounds on a dance song. 
you know, you should do your own thing not so far off from this because mm -hmm. A, that's what you want to be doing and B, it's obviously going over kind of well. I'm, I'm still, f you know, I just spent the last year really learning about dance music because when I was first approached, I really didn't know anything. I was just like, this sounds like fun. I've learned so much. I have so much respect for uh, producers, DJs in the dance community. Like, it's insane. The work that they do is definitely different than the work that like a singer songwriter does, but it's, it's equally valuable and special. I mean, if not more, and it's crazy that they, these guys like sit at their computers and will like work like chip away on a kick drum sound for like six hours, which I certainly don't have the patience for. So I have a lot of respect for them. And uh, so I was trying to figure out where I still am trying to figure out where my voice works best there. I think what a lot of people point out to me is like lyrics. I really like lyrics. I really love um, writing them and um, trying to make them accessible to people so that they can relate. And so I'm trying to, I guess, bring that to dance music because there are a lot of dance songs that are really generic. There's definitely a format, and it's hard because you you, you do want to stick to that format because people definitely vibe with um, things that are uplifting, things that are uh, a group activity, things that they can connect to and not just totally be internal sitting in, like, in your room. Nobody listens to dance music like this. No, it's Except like me. the opposite of singing songwriter, basically. <laughs> yeah. The setting is different, but the emotional experience is not that different. And whether you're sitting in your room crying or you're out dancing it off, I mean, you could still be doing it for the same reason, which I didn't really realize. I thought mm -hmm. people were just out partying. But now I'm like, get me in there. Where's my glow stick? <laughs> it's all really a release and an, and an expression, really. Yeah. I think, you it's, know, and an emotion. If, if you've gone to a couple good dance shows, it's hard to go back to anything else because the lights and the visuals and the audio and the whole, it's such a 360. It's just like a huge, really, really well orchestrated party. And it can be really fun. It can be too sweaty and gross, but you know, if you go with some good people and knock back a few beers, you're good. <laughs> well, speaking of EDM collaborations, your collaboration on step into the light or sorry, step into your light, 200,000 yeah. views on YouTube. Yeah. Over so. 200,000 views on YouTube. That was the first week. No, um, proximity put us up. Yeah. And I guess we got like 200,000 places the first week that was just on their website. And then on other websites, 50,000, we were on, um, Afrojack's show. We were on Tritonal's, um, show. Yeah. We got a, a lot of, um, Sirius XM, um, on Tiesto club life radio, stuff like that. Armada. That's awesome. What was it like the first time you heard yourself on the radio? Uh, well, the first time I heard myself on the radio was a couple years ago on like a college radio thing. So it was kind of, I, I mean, I wanted it to be like that thing you do, but it was more like, how do I, where's, I'm not getting reception. Like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> it's got to be like when I'm in the car listening to FM radio, not expecting anything. I mean, then we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, I saw on your Instagram that you had some interesting uh, pictures. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to I'm going to leave her guessing where this is going for for a second. That's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there, there's a, there's a man by the name of uh, of Quincy Jones. 
Oh yeah. Tell us, okay. tell us how you met him and, and what happened. That's a funny story. Um, so I've got a friend who works for uh, Quincy Jones as a production company, a management company, and they sign uh, lots of offbeat artists, jazz artists and international artists. And I mean, just some of the most talented people ever. Uh, my friend played the company, um, my music and they're like, Oh, she's a really good songwriter. She should write for some of our artists. So they've got a really cool Lebanese artist named Chris Jor and she, hi Chris. She's awesome. And she, uh, was a finalist on the voice in Dubai. And oh. I guess Quincy saw her there at Dubai music week and like signed her immediately. It was about this time last year. And so she needs songs. So, um, there's been some writing for her and stuff like that. And so, um, the dinner was, uh, Quincy and Chris was in town from Lebanon and wanted to do like a family dinner with everybody who was involved with the project and so we had a big dinner with Quincy Jones he's just the most awesome guy ever he's like a sassy teddy bear grandpa I mean he's <laughs> awesome the guy is killing it like seriously amazing amazing person um and he loves women, so he took off my shoes and uh, yeah, started pl playing the picture. This is the picture. Yeah. You go on my Instagram. Uh, <laughs> he start, He took off my shoes. There was a rip on the bottom of my stocking. And within 10 seconds of meeting him, I was, like, humiliated. He noticed. He's like, you were rip on the bottom of your stockings. Like, when I got out of the car, it ripped. And so I was like, ah, oh, yeah, no. And then he's like, take off your shoes. And I was like, okay, he loves women's feet. And then so that's what the picture was. I was like, okay. <laughs> and so he was just like, he took a fork. We were sitting at his dinner table. He took a fork and like went in for it. The outtakes, you didn't see the outtakes. No. He like took pictures of like him. The things you can get away with when you're superbly famous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and also, if I met you within the first ten seconds, and I did that. Yeah, it would you'd be a hide. Whole different story. I'd be like, dude, get this freak away from me. <laughs> no, you know what? Maybe if you did that at a bar, I'd have respect for you. It's better than like, hey, like, let me buy you a drink. <laughs> and uh, you know, <laughs> I'd let me, have let me real fork respect. your face. Let me yeah, fork your face. <laughs> No, forget buying a drink. I'd have real respect for a dude if he bought me like a cheese plate at a bar. I'd be like, well, I'm just I'd be on one knee. Yeah. This is the title of this blog pass. Yeah, forking gonna... feet. Forks and feet, yeah. Natalie on yeah. forking feet. Forking feet. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No, you know, in all seriousness though, Natalie, if, you know, there are anybody, if there's anyone uh, watching or listening to this right now, and they would like to know how to get to the place that you are at right now um, with having licensed, you know, music licensed, with having uh, collaborating with EDM producers. What advice would you give to them? Okay, probably a couple things. Number one, I would say try. I know it's hard. Um, try to get yourself in a city, in a musical city, which would be New York, Los Angeles, Nashville, London, you know, one of Toronto. one of the Toronto, one of the big cities, there are a couple, <laughs> like you should be oversaturated. You should be crying yourself to sleep at night so that, you, you know, you, you don't know if you're as good as the rest of them. No, <laughs> kind of joking. Not I'm really. Not. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe let out too much there. No, but get yourself in, in one of the musical cities. It's so important. Number two, um, I would say like be everywhere when you get there. Like so many, like I told you the story about the, 
my songs got on TV shows because I locked my keys in my car at Hotel Cafe, which is being there. I performed once. I did this show at um, a, an awesome venue called Room 5. It's really cute. It's If you do singer-songwriter stuff, it's a great place to play. And um, to be honest, it was like I felt a little underprepared. I wasn't excited for the show. The venue's awesome. I'd play there a bunch of times. I just, I, it was kind of a last minute thing. I wasn't ready. I didn't really promote it properly. And I got there and I was like so bummed. And then I went on stage and the show went, um, in my memory, it went okay. And then after there was like all this really, um, really prolific songwriters, right, for Justin Bieber and One Direction. They were all just there, like just talking, there. wanted to talk, wanted to connect. So the more you can get out, whether it's playing or even just going out, if you go to a hotel cafe, start a conversation with one person, I, I mean, either they, them, <laughs> or their friend, like one of them is going to be somebody, whether they're a drummer or a music supervisor or, you know, somebody who runs a radio show or does Skype interviews, you know, whoever it is or makes a website. I mean, a photographer, it could be anybody might make the connection, like go out every night that you're not working. I mean, it is your job to, to be out and to be talking to people. And I think that's one of the main things. And on that note, like as a third thing is, um, be open-minded about opportunities. So when the dance music thing came up, I was really confused. I didn't know. In retrospect, like I said, it makes perfect sense. And I definitely wanted to do it, but I, I was really confused about it. I didn't feel qualified. Like I did, I was like, I've never done dance music before. What if I do a terrible job? What if this is not right for me? I mean, a lot of thoughts went through my head. It wasn't just like, Oh, cool. Big opportunity. It was, I was freaking out. And I cried the night before I went in for the collaboration. I really did. Don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> I straight up cried myself to sleep the night before um, because I felt so nervous that I wouldn't be able to do a good job or whatever. And it ended up being uh, one of the most important things that I ever did. So I guess just be open to things that seem like they're outside the path. And also go with your intuition, your intuition, you know, you know, I'm, I guess that goes for any career, but like, especially with music, if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. It's funny. Marcio and I were saying the exact same thing earlier on. We're just, we're just generally talking about what we do. And, um, and we were saying that the times that we've not followed our, our intuition have been the times that things have gone wrong. And the times oh, that we have followed our intuition, it's been like the best decisions that we made. So it's totally true. It's oh, just, yeah. yeah. Those it last really few is. things you said, I can relate to entirely, you know, what yeah. Russ just said, but also the being open to opportunities that especially that don't appear on the surface to be, to make sense at first, you know, but yeah. what do you have to lose, right? What do you have to lose? It's all you got to ask yourself. Well, Natalie, we've entered our lightning round. <laughs> uh, here we go. Coffee or tea? Uh, both. Depends on the day. Meat or veggies? Veggies. I'm a vegetarian. Ah, CD or vinyl? <laughs> um, vinyl. I have a record player. Summer or winter? Summer. Of course. New York or Los Angeles? LA. Pizza or potatoes? <laughs> pizza. Pizza. Come on. Of course. Pizza. Melody or rhythm? Who, who says potato? God. <laughs> uh, melody. Melody, but bo both are important. But what I work off of is melody. And then rhythm. I should maybe float that around. Maybe things would go better. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Rent or lame is? Oh, lame is. Come on. Indie or major? Uh, we'll see. 
<laughs> Rain or shine? Shine. The voice or American Idol? Uh, voice. Dogs or hot dogs? Dogs. Celine Dion dogs. or Marilyn Manson? <laughs> I, you know, as a child, I would have said Celine Dion. Probably now, Marilyn Manson. I don't know nice. what that says about me. <laughs> Cats or rats? Cats. Michael Jackson or Michael Bolton? <laughs> <laughs> that's really tempting but i'm gonna go with michael jackson oh no no one said yes. michael bolton okay twerk, michael twerk or work um a, a healthy amount of both good ricky gervais or ricky martin gervais yeah Definitely. whale yes. or kale <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> just gonna pick one. <laughs> whale. I'm going with whale. I thought you go with kale being vegetarian. I know. I know because I'm. I'm not. I'm trying to be unpredictable here. Okay. Bat Midler or the Riddler. The Riddler. Ross or Marcio. Ooh. You know. Uh, I feel like this is unfair because. Ross has access to my PayPal account. So <laughs> don't let that influence your decision. Okay. He might send me an invoice <laughs> if I don't say Ross. So is that Ross? Um, I'm going to say Ross because Marcia, you're amazing and I've loved bonding with you. And maybe it will be you in a few weeks. <laughs> Ross just did a, such a killer job on my website, which is launching like today or tomorrow. We have to talk after this. And it, I just tortured him. <laughs> didn't torture me. You're, you're, you're not as bad as Marcio. Trust me. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm where can people find you online? Each other. <laughs> can you tell we people? Can find it. I can. Uh, it's it's natalieandjuliemusic.com. Anything you've been yeah. listening to lately that you just think people need to check out? Yeah, let me let me Spotify here. Okay. Um, I've listened to a, a band called The Chain Gang of 1974. They're pretty pretty awesome um what about japan droids celebration rock not a new record but a great record um lots of robin the new porter robinson record is is really really great worlds um the skrillex the new skrillex record is really fun recess it's just if you're working out that's what you should be listening to um and uh I was listening to, oh, the new Jenny Lewis record is, is really fun. I saw her the other day. And um, let's close with um, Betty Who. Really love Betty Who. Cool. Awesome. It's been so much fun. This has been. Yeah. Uh, this Thanks, is, I don't know when I last laughed so much. Oh. Um, so I, I enjoyed <laughs> I enjoyed this really? very much. I'm glad because I, I feel like I'm always nervous that I'm going to say lots of really dumb stuff. No, this is great. And, and we'd love to have you back on the show if you'd be willing to do that. So thanks very much. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Have a good one. You too. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bridge the Atlantic. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So connect with us on there and let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for being awesome. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>